Hello and welcome to MacBite episode 125. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode, let's get the show on the road. No, don't worry, we're not going out. It's much better than that. We're time travelling back to our last holiday. It's hard to believe it's only about six weeks ago. It feels like a lifetime ago. So, let's go back to a quieter, more innocent time. The last week of February 2020 and the crew are on the road. Hello! We're finally here. But where's here? <gasps> Only our beloved Alveston Hall Hotel. Tell them why, beloved. <gasps> no kids. <clears throat> Negative of that? No dogs. I mean, how short-sighted. Dogs are much better behaved than most kids I meet. Anyway, it's the same place that we came last year. But this year, huge sweet. Yes, just as well, given the amount of tech you've brought. All for a reason. Do you remember last year we covered the entire bed with it? I do. This year? Oh, I've, I've got tables and chairs and suites and multiple rooms. It's fabulous. But it's because last year we did a 20-minute recording. This year, big plans for two live broadcasts. So, what did you pack? Uh, everything, just in case. I've got a power tower. I've got 10 USB brakes. Oh, actually, it's a 10-port thing. Do you know what I mean? 10 ports on a brick. I know the very one. Uh, well, when you say one, <clears throat> think about three. So that's 30. Yes. That's not excessive with 14 iPads, honestly. Actually, the suite has a decent amount of sockets for a change. I also brought all the cables known to mankind. But that was because I did blow one up last year. Uh, have you noticed how bad the phone signal is? I have. It's not great. In in certain parts, it's OK, but no, most of the places, it's not great. Um, mine's actually switched to Wi-Fi calling. We set that up a while back, probably about six months ago. We did, and I've noticed it switches to Wi-Fi calling at certain sites that I go to at work. I've noticed it does that at your mother's. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, let's not talk about my mother's internet. No, it's not good. Um, you've actually got no mobile signal at all. And then the landline signal's shocking as well. Um, but I, I enabled the Wi-Fi calling. We had to go in and, and re-sign up for a contract for that. It was considered to be a contract change. But we did it anyway. Um, and I, I was assured by them it was working. But I hadn't seen it in weeks. At least you'd seen it. But now, coming to its own. Uh, we're hopeful the internet speed is better than the Faraday cage we found ourselves in last time. Uh, that was in York, wasn't it? That and was York. It, when, it was not good. When you sat outside to upload a podcast. I sat outside to upload an entire YouTube show of about two hours duration. And um, it was the back end of no October. It was freezing. And I had to sit at the smoker's table because that's all there was. I did give the evil to anybody who looked like they might light up, though. Um, anyway, that's me. What did you bring? Not everything. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? Who are you going to come to when you've not got something? That you. would be me. Yes, I brought... I'm travelling light, minimalist. 
Oh, good grief. That's tantamount <laughs> to an iOS-only fundamentalist. <laughs> well, you're close, actually. <laughs> I brought my iPad, my 12.9-inch iPad. I brought my Surface. I brought my watch. I brought my iPhone. And I brought chargers for all of the above. And if you could only bring one, an iPad or a Surface, it would be... The Surface. I thought as much. Well, it's got proper software on, hasn't it? It's got full Excel. It's got full Hindenburg if I want to do some audio editing. It's got full Camtasia if I want to do some video editing. And it does proper multitasking. For example, I can open multiple Excel files, which you can't do, well, with some kind of hacky workaround you can, um, on the iPad. Well, you're not going to get an argument here. I can't imagine trying to cope with just an iPad for certain work. Remember you went with a keynote a couple of years back? I'll cope with my iPad, you said. Well, that didn't last long, though, did it? No. And you didn't at that point have your Surface or any other kind of laptop. So I gave you my 11-inch MacBook Air in the end. I couldn't take your pain any longer. Yeah, but having said that, even you would be faster with PowerPoint on the Surface than Keynote on the iPad. Do you know, you're absolutely spot on. And I'm not even a great fan of PowerPoint. <laughs> I, I find with PowerPoint, whatever I want to do, I have no clue where the menu option is. If you think about Keynote, you've got that single column on the right that you can toggle between three views. Yeah. So you've got your formatting and your an, an, animations, transitions, and then document-wide settings. In PowerPoint, you don't have that. So if you don't know the application, and I hold my hands up, not used it in anger for years. Um, I've used it angry, but not used it in anger for years. I don't know where everything is. So I just find myself right-clicking on everything. And I would say nine times out of ten, you find the option you're looking for, but you get to it through the right-click, not through the menus. But I probably would be. Also with PowerPoint, even on an iPad, I think, it's got way better features in terms of image editing options. and fonts and stuff than, than you would actually get in Keynote. So, you know, all the, the image editing options that you looked at that they've added. It's, yeah. it's basically mini Photoshop, isn't it? It's that good. It is. I said that to a group um, the other day that um, it's it's obviously it's not Photoshop, but you know, it's it's better than some image editing things out there. And, and if you already know PowerPoint, then you know, there's not that much of a learning curve. When you say it's not Photoshop, I think you mean in terms of actually the ability to edit by making a selection and, and healing and stuff like that. But if, you, if you're making a change to an entire image, so you'd like to make it look, uh, you might like to make a daylight shot look like nighttime. Yeah. There's options for that. You just push a button. There is. Which, yes, you can do that in Photoshop, but you would have to know how to do it. It's incredibly powerful. It's amazing. The other thing I find tricky on an iPad is the actual precision. If you've got two items, say say two um, icons that you want lined up on two separate slides, so they're two different icons, you know, it's difficult to be precise. True, working yeah. With finger. yeah. The other thing with images is just working on an iPad full stop, how long does it take you to download an image from a stock photo site, get it in your photo album, 
Then get it into your photo album and get it from there and get it into the application. I mean, seriously, on a desktop, it's just there in a browser. Now, you can't drag it anymore. That's one of my bugbears. And I've actually had muggles, genuine muggles, can barely turn it on, come to me and say, I've got a problem. And they explain. And what they're saying is they've, they've found an image they want to use on a website. And they swear to me they used to just drag and drop it into Keynote or Pages. And now it's not working. And I say, no, it's not. Apple broke it. So they're making it more difficult on a desktop. But on an iOS device, the workflow is horrible. It's just horrible. It is. I used to run a, a training session something like product microsoft office productivity on an ipad there wasn't much call for it actually <laughs> uh and and when i was prepping it was like like you've just said it was go to pixabay.com grab an image download it stick it in your photo roll go into powerpoint insert image from camera roll it was just half a dozen steps when it could have been like two or three plus the fact some people want to make a presentation that's based on a collection of photos so say you've got 50 images and you're just going to talk over them you know like a like a slideshow in the 70s when you came back from your jollies can you imagine trying to get 50 images in all at once mm, no mm. Yeah, ipad not all there yet no matter what you say it's not all there yet Anyway, what have we got planned for the rest of the day? Oh, on holiday, massive air quotes. Well, uh, I've got to finish off recording for the Mac Bytes After Hours. Once I've finished the recording, I need to edit it, process it and upload it and get it ready for a 9pm YouTube premiere. That's going to be interesting, given said visit to York last October. I'm hoping it'll be all right. Um, and then I'm also intending to attend the YouTube premiere chat during the entertainment after dinner tonight. Mm, all good fun. Busman's holiday, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. Hello! Saturday morning! Bright and early. Oh, Bing bong. You. Hello, campus. <laughs> Can I just say, breakfast was fabulous. It included gluten-free toast. Gotta love Sergio. I enjoyed the jam. I haven't had jam for ages, so it's a holiday treat. That's true. We don't actually buy jam, do we? No. No. Uh, anyway, the YouTube premiere. Recording went well. Editing and assembly went well. Uploading. <gasps> the connection was way better than York. Um, it was actually a large file. I didn't think of this, you know, when, when I decided what to do. But I've, I've recorded the show in episodes Seriously, about six of them. It was ridiculous. I ended up with a large file because some of the content was an iPad recording. And when you're when you've got a desktop recording, you're recording your screen. It's actually quite small and compact. But you add an iPad to the mix uh, and it bumps up the file size. It did actually take its sweet time, but it got there in the end. I wonder how many people are on, on the Wi-Fi here. Because we've already ascertained there's virtually nothing. <laughs> I mean, we're in the middle of a field. There is virtually nothing in the way of mobile connectivity. And how many beds in this place? Quite a few. Probably about 500. Yeah. Yeah. The contention ratio may not be good, but I got there in the end. I had an interesting experience. He means something broke. No, 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 no. Nothing broke. No. Um... 
Five minutes before and after hours starts, we normally send a reminder email to the MacBytes mailing list. And the process is that you write the mail in Scrivener and then you export it to HTML. And then the HTML file is uploaded to Notion and attached to the show. Now, when we're at home on my iMac, I download the file to my desktop. I open it in a text editor, usually Sublime. I copy the HTML code. I paste it into Aweber's email editor. Aweber is the service that we use for mail sending. And then I either hit send or I schedule it to be sent, as I say, five minutes before uh, the show starts. With the uh, YouTube premiere scheduled for nine o'clock and dinner being at seven o'clock and me being busy before dinner, I nipped out at about quarter to nine to deal with the mail. Now, you'd left your MacBook open on the, the desk in the uh, the suite. Yes, we have a big suite, don't we? Oh, it's massive. I'm loving yeah. it. We have a bed area and a bathroom and a working area. Patio. A pal- I was going to say balcony, but... <laughs> Not on the ground floor, the ground we haven't. Floor, isn't it? Yeah, patio. <laughs> anyway, so I used your MacBook to do all that, and it worked like an absolute charm. Um, just like being at home with the i the uh, the iMac, a proper computer, a you proper mean. computer, exactly. Yeah. So I refer back to yesterday's comment that I couldn't have done that at all on an iPad. There are people who do, but I think they've changed their workflow to such an extent, and they've probably compromised to do it. I mean, you could do it if you had, if you're in Ulysses and you wrote the whole thing in Ulysses, then you would be able to do it, wouldn't you? Because it it could export out to the HTML. But what I'm thinking is the compromise on that is that I have it in Scrivener and it's in Scrivener for a reason. The graphics are in there. The codes are in there. uh, The export, the compile setting. I mean, it took me ages to create it. It's it's spot on perfect to the last full stop. And it has CSS styles and all sorts that I'm not thinking would be possible in any other app. And I must admit, I've never tried compiling it on an iPad. This is because synchronising it on an iPad is enough trouble. Uh, so I don't take that any further. But I agree with you. There is still a place for a proper computer especially if you want to work quickly. So what's the plan for the rest of Saturday then? Well, I'm on photo duty. Um, we're here with a gang of friends, 36 of us. I think, yeah. yeah I, think, I think so at the last count. So uh, what we've done is um, we've, we're going to, we've got a Facebook group for the gang and we've got a WhatsApp group called the Alveston Adventure. Um, they have not, because there's so many of us, they can't fit us all on the rifles and the archery. Um, but I'm going along and I'm chief photographer. Now, you'll remember the rifles and the archery from the last time, a couple of years ago in Wales. If you don't hear from me again, you'll know why. I won't say any more than that. Are you going to be good today and not shoot me? I'm saying nothing. Mm, that's tantamount to an admission that you might shoot me. I'm worried now. <laughs> but um, we're taking a break today, aren't we? We are. Yeah, so, so we're doing the friend thing. Uh, but our plans for Sunday involve tech. We're going to do a live radio show called, unsurprisingly, Live from Alveston. And uh, it's a show for the people who couldn't attend the weekend. So the plan is... 
We're going to go live for 60 minutes tomorrow. Once I've built the studio, can I refer you back to all the tech I brought? Now you know why. So uh, that's the plans for Sunday. But the plans for the rest of today are to um, enjoy the rifles and the archery. In other words, not come back either shot or with an arrow sticking out of myself. That's the plan for today. What about you? Pretty much the same. Pretty right? much the same <laughs> with, with, with the added plan of not to shoot you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> much gratified. See you later, gang. We're back. It's Sunday afternoon. Sergio surpassed himself with breakfast. Then we went to set up for our live OB. And it worked. We've done the show. It worked amazingly well. We had a live audience in our suite, about 16 of us, I think. Um, you remember you mentioned the balcony and I said it was a patio because we're on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we ran out of chairs. We had enough room for 16 of us, no problems at all. 16 guests and Mike and I and all of my tech. Um, but the chairs were, were a bit thin on the ground after that. We had uh, five, six, seven, eight. Nine. I think we had about nine chairs we could sit on. But we needed to drag the patio furniture in, basically. So that's what we did. <laughs> we also had a live audience at home. Um, people who couldn't join us and a couple in particular who had to leave early. Um, we're not going till tomorrow, but they had to get back to work tomorrow. So uh, they left after breakfast and were already at home when we started the live broadcast. So we had an absolute fabulous time chatting with everybody as well. Uh, we also, this wasn't planned, was it? We had some added musical entertainment with a recording from the karaoke last night, which somehow we inexplicably missed. We were sensible. Yes, we went to bed early. Mm. She wasn't early, was it? It was after midnight. Um, but they went on to... Um, it was like a bar area, wasn't it? I think it was, yeah. And they did a little bit of karaoke. Anyway, the fabulous Lisa is with us, and she she's an amazing singer. Um, what was happening was they were going around with the microphone. I don't think it was actually intended to be um, a karaoke night. <laughs> they actually did have an entertainer. But she was going around the dance floor, and she was getting people to sing a line of each song. And when Lisa did, it was like, whoa, you've got a fantastic voice. And she asked if Lisa would do a song. And Lisa did do a song. She did I Want to Dance with Somebody from Whitney Houston. Um, so we managed to get a video recording of this from uh, a witness who was there. In fact, there were two videos kicking around, you know. But I got my hands on one and it was virtually uh, at the same point. So I thought, you know what? We'll play that live in the show. Uh, so we put that in the show. Um, now, that was only the first show of the day, wasn't it? It was. There's going to be another live show at 5pm. Um, that's a news show. And then it's party time. We might not actually get to the news if I have to fight Notion one more time on this iPad. Oh dear. Trouble in paradise. Yeah, I've, I've got a table and a page. And each row in the table is a separate news item. And I need to reorder the rows by using drag and drop. It should be simple. Works on, you know, desktop. It's just not having it. No, I, I get annoyed with it. Um, it definitely needs an update in the mobile side of things. I tend to just read it, but I've had my own issues with it while we've been away. But then... To be honest, Mike, you've got a perfectly good surface over there. Why don't you use that instead of struggling? Oh, yeah. 
Good idea. You see, you think of your surface as being a tablet and then you tar it with an iPad brush and think it's useless. But actually, it's a proper computer, Mike. True, yeah. It can would I, probably work fine. Can I refer you back to yesterday's comment and Friday's comment about <laughs> iPad versus Surface? Oh, I quite fancy a Surface. If it wasn't for Windows, I really would quite fancy a Surface. Anyway, never mind all this tech. We've got to pack it all away now, haven't we? Yeah. Because we're going to party. Tonight's the big night. The big night. It's the Queen Tribute. Oh, yeah. And you know what we're like with Queen Tributes. Oh, the excitement. So it's party time for us. We'll see you guys in the morning. Wonder what state we'll be in. Just wondering. I think we'll be fine. You might be. You're a morning person. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. So, uh, it's Monday morning. We're getting ready to head off. I'm so glad we booked late checkout. Not a morning person. Uh, we had our final lovely breakfast, courtesy of Sergio. More gluten-free toast. Feel completely spoiled. But back to the tech. What really worked for you, Mike? My surface. I thought you might say that. <laughs> How about you? Um, bringing everything. Bringing everything really worked. <laughs> um, I really appreciated having a mouse for my laptop. Not that there's anything wrong with the um, trackpad on it, just I'm not used to it. I'm not used to interacting with that kind of thumb thing. I keep reaching my hand out for a mouse, so luckily I brought one with me. Um, that worked. I love the audio setup. Um, I managed to create a great setup for the live show with my Zoom H6, which is a digital audio recorder. It allows me to have four external microphones. So it looks like a digital recorder, but on the side, um, on the left and the right, there's a socket for two XLR microphones. So you can actually hang four off it. Um, so I, had, I used all four external microphones. I had one for me, one for Mike and two room microphones. I already knew I couldn't do what I needed to do with only an iPad. But the iPad actually worked well for content consumption. I think I watched a couple of TV programmes with my feet upon it, but that was about it. Are we bad with our iPads, Mike? No. Do we just not push them as far as other people do? Or do we just accept that, you know, there's a much faster way of doing it? We're just not iPad fundamentalists. I iOS only oh, fundamentalists. IOS only, yeah, iOS only Is it right, Mike? Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what did work in, in terms of that, because we're about to head off, aren't we? Um, and I'm planning to use an iOS device to live stream our departure to Facebook. Yeah. Because the live streaming's worked well all weekend. It's worked very well, yeah. And the photos have worked well. The WhatsApp groups worked well. And, you know, all those things are mobile. But to me, that's not work. <laughs> where, where iOS excels is, is playtime. <laughs> Quite true. <laughs> so we're about to head off. We will see you back in the warm and safe cocoon of Magpite's headquarters. Bye-bye, Alveston. Bye-bye, Alveston. <laughs> actually waving like two idiots <laughs> so they were the good old days they were mm. anyway we do actually have some new toys from apple recently should we talk about those why not well in what used to be good news there are new toys from apple and lots of them my th 
thoughts are it was very crass to release those new toys at the start of a global lockdown. And then again, a couple of weeks into it, with the iPhone SE 2. Am I being oversensitive? No, I agree it was crass. But from their point of view, they're a business. They've got a release schedule. They've got shareholders to please. And they're not standing idly by in this pandemic. They're actually also doing some good. You know, we've got Apple branded masks. Please don't go there. There are just no words. I don't think that the Apple branded mask thing is enough to make me forget how icky it feels to see new iPads and iPhones launched alongside those masks. And you make a point about shareholders, but they're human too. And they're at just as much risk of this virus as the rest of us. Is share dividends going to insulate you against the effects of it or something? Did I miss the memo? No, I don't think that's going to happen. But since they're here, what do you think? Well, I'd actually like to see and touch the iPads before I made a decision. Uh, Obviously, between the 11-inch and the 12.9. But you know what people have done, don't you, with all the stores shut? Go on. Obviously, they've just taken advantage of the returns policy. Buy one of everything, play with it, and then return it. To those people, you're part of the problem with Apple's exorbitant pricing structure, not a solution to it. Having said that... And after careful consideration and research, I came to the conclusion there really wasn't that much difference between the 2018 version and the 2020 version. There's the LiDAR camera, but would I use it? So guess what? What? I decided not to bother. You know what my friends said? No. Hell had frozen over. Well, I'm not in the market for another iPad, so I wouldn't be buying anyway. And the, the one I've got works perfectly well. If I'm actually honest, it's underused. You know, one of the big selling points from Apple and in the reviews is the camera. Well, I'm not a professional photographer. I'm not a videographer. So I don't need that kind of power on an iPad. And if I think about it, most of my photos are taken with the iPhone. I'm, a, I'm just a point and press guy, really. If I look at the photos I've taken, pictures of the dog, concerts, parties, dinners, Munich Memorial items in shops when I could actually get out. Yeah, I'm not going to take my iPad out to the shops. Do you know Uh, what's missing in that list of things you take photos of? What? Me. Oh, yes. I'll take a picture of you then. No, you're all right. (laughs) I wouldn't actually be able to get my iPad into a concert or football match. So to tempt me to buy the iPad, but based on the camera, I'm not your target market right now. I think we've seen the usual speed bumps and battery life extensions, but like I said, for what I actually use it for, I I just can't justify the cost. I can't actually justify it with a a Jane trademarked want versus need. That's serious. That is serious. (laughs) My, My Surface, my Surface is actually getting more use than my iPad now. I need to be able to edit audio, edit video, deliver training on Excel for Windows. Even the most powerful iPad in the world isn't going to help me with that one. You know, that's an interesting point because this iPad is actually very powerful. To some degree, it actually feels too powerful for the majority of the apps that are available right now on iPadOS. 
Um, even if all the apps I needed were available for iPadOS, spoiler alert, they're not. Not by a long way. But even those that are are more time consuming to use. So we talked about Keynote when we were away, didn't we? And the nightmare of trying to insert one stock image from a website. It Everything just feels like a million more steps on an iPad than macOS. I've said the iPad's incredibly powerful, and it is, but it's not just raw power that matters here. The usability is critical to productivity. Shall we move on to the even more exorbitantly priced magic keyboard for the iPad Pro? It makes your iPad Pro float. And luckily, if I was interested, uh, it works with the 2018 models. But £300 for the 11-inch, £350 for the 12.9-inch isn't top of my must-have list at the moment. It adds a trackpad and the new keyboard to an iPad Pro. But I must admit, I stopped and thought, well, why? Does an iPad need a trackpad? Serious question. For you, does an iPad need a trackpad? No. I can see the benefit for those needing accessibility options, but generally, with a touchscreen device, why? It, I, as an option, fine. But as a necessity, why? Well, trackpad and keyboard for tablet isn't exactly new, is it? Surface has had one from the start. So there you go, Apple playing catch-up again. If you want a trackpad and keyboard and a cursor, my advice is go buy a laptop. Having said that, what if you don't want a laptop? Or what if you spent your money on an iPad? Then this actually might be a good purchase, but at £300, it's rather exorbitant. I'm sure there will be cheaper non-Apple versions available, though, don't you? I guess it's not a new thing I'm saying, but it goes against the original ideology of an iPad, surely. Do you remember Steve Jobs demonstrating it on a sofa? It was very much a tactile device that you held and you interacted with it with your fingers. Now, I, I did long for an Apple-based pen or pencil, a stylus with it, and that's worked very well for me. I guess what you can say is since he demonstrated it's time's moved on and I've used a keyboard with an iPad only if I'm doing typing intensive jobs, though. That's not often, given I have a real computer next to me 24-7. Uh, the keyboard I use is a Logitech K780. It is a hugely heavy thing. It's not a case. It's a standalone keyboard. It's not something I would ever choose to carry around. There's a slot at the top for everything from an iPod Touch to a 12.9 inch iPad. I use it with a standing desk or when I choose to focus on a specific writing job. It's a great keyboard. It can be connected to three different devices at the same time. Uh, via Bluetooth. There are three buttons at the top and you just press the button you want for the device you want. I paid £35 for it. So to have a keyboard is great to give people options, but I feel the price of this thing is absolutely ridiculous. And I guess my main point is, surely even the most ardent iOS-only fundamentalist, can see that lauding the iPad as a replacement form factor, a better form factor than a laptop or a desktop, and then getting overexcited the second a peripheral appears, 
that turns it back into the form factor they've just spent the last five to eight years saying is inferior. Bit of a rich argument for me. But I thought I'd check it out anyway, you know, suspend my disbelief as it were. Um, I watched several videos by people who drunk the Kool-Aid. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. First the good, I'm assured the keyboard is fabulous. The magnetic back's solid, the iPad doesn't fall off, slide off or anything else. But for me, that was where the good news ended as I watched these demonstrations. I only wish we'd actually had an Apple event to launch it, don't you? I do, would have been better. But as I'm watching these people, it looked great to type on. It looked great with if you wanted to interact with the touchpad. But it wobbles when you try to use the pencil. <laughs> so I'm watching this thing and I thought, well, surely you need that to be in a different shape entirely for that. And I sat there and wondered, well, couldn't you turn it upside down? So can you picture this? We've got the iPad floating in, in, in midair and you want to write on it. And as you write at the top, the whole thing wobbles. It's not intended for you. I guess you could touch it and it would still wobble. You know, if you were interacting with your fingers, it would still wobble a bit. But to actually try writing on it, no chance. The other thing is you couldn't turn it round to write it in portrait. So I'm watching it thinking, well, I wonder if it would work better the other way. When thankfully, one of these poor souls who'd bought one tipped it upside down and said, you can write on it much better in, in this way. And I'm thinking, but the keyboard's upside down. <laughs> you know, it's just so inelegant. It was about as elegant as the charging solution for pencil version one. Remember that? I've still got pencil version one. You have? Mm. Ah, but don't you have a cable that you plug it into? Do you plug it into the bottom of an iPad to charge it? Only, only as an emergency. No, I never did that. It was too dangerous. As an emergency, I would, maybe for two or three minutes. But no, I never charge it like that properly. Um, but even when you flip this thing over and the keyboard is then completely unusable, to write at the top of the iPad, you need to hold it to stop it slipping. It's logical because... It's to be expected. It's the top that the iPad stuck to. I tried the cursor thing and I didn't actually like the way that the cursor faded. You know, on this business of you, you've now got a mouse pointer, only it's not a mouse pointer. It's like a grey dot. I just didn't like the look of the grey dot. And it also fades out, which reminded me of, do you remember my, my biggest bugbear in macOS for years now? No. Was it after Lion? You've totally forgotten my biggest bugbear. Mm. <laughs> oh, that gives me a chance to, to air it again, then, if you've forgotten. So many of them. True, but this one's a big one. The mouse pointer fades out now, which I, I don't particularly mind. I think it's stupid myself and I like to turn it off. But when it fades back in, it's in a totally different location. I always knew where my mouse pointer was. And there was an update a few years ago, and now you can never be 100% sure. And this kind of is the same with that. Uh, the other issue was when you, they'd slapped it on the iPad, it made it heavier than the laptop. It looked very bulky. I actually think your Surface looks quite neat by comparison because you don't need the back part on it to have a leg on it. The leg is built in, isn't it? The mm. kickstand. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't. So it d more than doubled the thickness. The backlit keyboard 
wasn't as bright as the backlit keyboard on a laptop. But maybe that's by design, I don't know. It also, from from just looking at a photograph, the hinge added so much width to it, which again, the surface doesn't. There's no width added to it with the fact it's got a stand and a keyboard. You can only tip it between 90 degrees and 130 degrees. I guess I expected more origami magic to it. But the bit that got me was, as I'm researching this, I found a video on YouTube and um, the YouTuber was claiming he'd found a solution to the slipping when writing thing with the pencil. So it already tipped the case upside down at this point. But as you pressed with the pencil, the whole contraption was collapsing. He'd, the solution he'd found, brace yourselves, stick your iPhone in the gap between the iPad and the case and then jam the keyboard up to it. Not even joking, sadly. But the worst thing was the comments that absolutely lauded the solution, thought it was brilliant. And I'm thinking, have I come in at the wrong reel? It's just so inelegant. So I guess the conclusion for me is it's always good to have the option if you want it. If you are typing intensively, if you do a lot of work like that, then fantastic. But I think the price is absolutely ridiculous. I think the fact it doubles the weight is absolutely ridiculous. Um, it also only really works in terms of it gives preference to the typing experience, but over all the other iPad interactions. So over being able to flip it round into portrait easily over being a and, and it look right. I mean, I guess you could flip it round, but it, it would just look ludicrous um, using the pencil, the touch aspect. I think if the typing aspect is fantastic for you, then great. But I think you would be losing easy access to a lot of other interactions with an iPad. Um, it actually doesn't just kind of leave it neutral. It makes all the other interactions difficult. I came to the conclusion I definitely do not need something like that. You're not even in the market for the iPad, much less the case, are you? No, I don't think that the stand case keyboard thing would be any use without an iPad. And it d doesn't support my iPad, does it? No. No. It does support the 2018 models, which I have an 11-inch of. Um, I got the cheapest case I could get hold of I think it arrived a day before the iPad, to be honest. And it was I was so surprised when I saw it. When we went into the Apple store, the case I'd paid about £20 for, uh, that you can probably get for about 12 now, was very, very similar to the Apple one. And that was nearly 200 And I thought, I'll just stick with this one. It's absolutely fantastic. But you know that kind of rubber feel that they have? where it gets finger marks on it and it looks quite tatty. Yeah. I mean, the more you carry it around with you, then the more it looks like that. And I regularly clean mine. But the fabric that Apple make these things in, it doesn't, it doesn't make it look that classy to me. It really doesn't. I think the kickstand on a Surface is amazing. I know it only holds it at a, at a certain height and tilt, but it's the right height and tilt, isn't it? Mm. it feels really really well made and it looks nice it doesn't it hasn't aged terribly has it with finger marks on it and you need a new one and all of that it's integrated as part of the device and it works 
It doesn't let you stand it up portrait, though, does it? No. So in that way, it's very similar to that. I just think it it hampers a lot of the functionality and accessibility of, of the device, probably almost as much as it adds a nice typing experience. But again, if typing is critical to what you do, surely you've already bought a laptop and be, be done with it. I'm sure many, many people will buy it. They will enjoy it. They will love it. But it feels a little bit like you've potentially drunk the Kool-Aid because there's a lot of downsides to it. Uh, and the price is unbelievable. The price of Apple Kit, I remember spending 1200 on the top of the range iMac. In the top of the range iMac now, an iMac Pro, probably about eight to 12000 Three times the price. Hmm? Oh, an iMac Pro. An iMac Pro. Yeah. It would be heckishly expensive. Mm. Um, it just seems to be the prices are skyrocketing. Not for much, because like I say, I don't think this thing is, it's certainly not indestructible. You'd want your iPad to last a certain length of time. I think this case, if you were dragging it around every day, would look very tired within six to 12 months. Very, very tired indeed, to the point of being worn out. There are alternatives. Um, there's a Logitech that I've got, but you wouldn't be carrying that around, trust me. There's the bridge keyboard, which uh, is beautiful. It just seems to be a solution looking for a problem. It, I, it all depends on how you interact with your iPad and what you do with it. So it is good to have it as an option, but I think they could have easily carved £100 off it. Yeah, I can't see me sitting on the sofa. Oh, I did see somebody do um, a test of that. The sofa ability test. And honestly, it's like, what? Shakes head sadly. What are you doing and why? Oh, no, I, I've never watched. Because I can't go into an Apple store, I, I don't want to buy one. OK, so I didn't do the, oh, I'll just buy one and then I'll send it back thing because I've got too much integrity for that. But I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll, I'll do the second best thing, the research thing. And I watch all these videos. I am glad I do not watch these videos all the time. Uh, people have sent in questions and the person who had this keyboard was then going through and testing it. And one was, can you sit down and type with it on your lap? And I thought, why would you do that? Now, if they meant on a sofa, you know, like when you're lying down. Yeah. You've probably done it in bed. Yeah. Yeah. Then th that test makes sense. But what the person on the video actually did was sit on the edge of a table with their like thighs sloping down forwards and then put it on top of them. Did it fall over? Can I introduce you to the basics of physics? It's top heavy. Yes, it fell over. Then to do a comparative test, Kudos to them, they did do the comparative test. But to do the comparative test, they then sat in the same position with a laptop on their thighs. Guess what? Basic laws of physics again, it slipped off. It fell over. Yeah. Well, it didn't fall over because it's not top heavy, is it? But it did slip down. Has anybody ever thought of sitting at a table and using these things? <laughs> Just an idea. No, they did do lots of tests on it. Lots of questions were, were asked. General consensus of the people watching was, wow, can't wait to get hold of one. And mine was like, I can't wait to hang on to the money. You never know when you might need that kind of money to buy toilet rolls and things. You know, proper investments. So not for me, I'm afraid. How often do you just type on your iPad? Not that often. I mean, you obviously interact with it in terms of like typing your password in and stuff like that. But actually long form text, I don't do that no, very often. No, hardly at all. When I do on my 12.9 inch, 
I'm happy with the glass keyboard. I have been happy with the inbuilt keyboard since day one. I've been amazed by how fast you can actually type on it. It's different on the 12.9 to the 11 because it feels like more of a full keyboard. If it had haptic feedback, it would be to die for. I, I think it's a good keyboard. So, uh, no. Plus the fact, you know, by the time you bought the iPad and you've got the case and the keyboard thing, you've probably spent like more than a laptop anyway. Friend. I think it's just for people who want the option and, and it's there for them, which is fantastic. But if we didn't buy it, they might put the price down. Just saying, because the price is, um, yeah. I'm investing in toilet rolls, are you? No, I'm investing in Apple shares. That's actually not a bad idea, given how fast these keyboards are selling. Exactly. So, good to have options, but not for me. And not for you, because you haven't got an iPad that it would work with. Anyway, on to the MacBook Air. My favourite Apple laptop got updated, but not for me, because my MacBook Air is only 18 months old. Not for me either. I looked into a MacBook to run Parallels to give me Windows portability, but I went for the Surface because of the power and the cost. That's a good point, because what you've actually got is a native platform to run Excel, which is the most important application for you. And it costs less than 50% of a MacBook Pro. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I'd never thought of it like that. Uh, I went for the MacBook Air as my needs away from the desk are minimal, but not covered by an iPad. Obviously, we've discussed that at length many times. Um, this one was to replace my 2012 MacBook Air, the one I didn't want to buy, if you remember. I wanted to buy the 2013 model, wanted to wait a year. Mother insisted. So um, always do what mummy says. Uh, and I bought it. But I've got no complaints with what I replaced it with in 2018. I actually only bought the 2018 model on the basis that I couldn't really expect my MacBook Air from 2012 to last much longer. Needless to say, still going strong. Wouldn't have been if I hadn't have bought the other one, though. Um, but the prices are creeping up to the level of making me think I'd have to give serious consideration to a MacBook Pro next time. Having said that, the price of a MacBook Pro is probably also increasing exponentially too. Um, as you've pointed out, it's actually about 40% more for a MacBook Air than a very, very good spec Surface. Obviously, the fly in that ointment for many of us would be that Windows is the OS. Hmm. And the problem with that is? Only really the applications that there are no equivalents of. The first and biggest one that springs to mind. And actually, the way I think about it, there aren't, there aren't many, but Audio Hijack is one of them. Audio Hijack, Loopback, Farago, they are all from Rogue Amoeba. They're all audio applications and they're all Mac only. There are many applications that would work, and I know you've used them. Uh, Hindenburg is cross-platform, Office is cross-platform. In fact, Office is better on Windows. Um, all the things that I do in the cloud, so Notion that I use, uh, Roam that I use, Google Docs, they all work in the cloud. So that actually wouldn't matter. So it's it's really strange to say this, but there literally probably wouldn't be much more than five to 10 percent of what I needed that didn't work on Windows. Unfortunately, we wouldn't have been broadcasting that live radio show from a surface, would we? There is software that you can get to do that. I don't think it's quite the same as the Rogue Amoeba stuff. But I'm prepared to have a look. I know there's OBS, isn't there? Wirecast works both ways. But. But. 
as in, in two T's. As in pain in the. Yes. <laughs> Don't say as in and the no, no, no. Not with that one. Broadcast something, something, something. Very well done for getting one word right in there. Do you want to look it up? Yes. Put us out of our misery with the other three letters. Better had. Rather than yes. <laughs> broadcast something, something, something. Can't get the staff. Oh, buttercream. Yeah, can you step away from the food? This is what life's become with the grocery orders. Broadcast using this tool. Oh, right. Sorry, I had to think about that then. Right, OK. Well, I've never looked at that. Um, I, I could have a look at it. It's cross-platform. Works on a Mac as I'd well. I'd still have my Mac and I'd still want to use Audio Hijack. Don't take my Audio Hijack away from me, basically, Mike. <laughs> so, And I don't think Rogue, Rogue Amoeba are ever going to do a Windows version. So, sad but true. Mm, I'd have to think about that some more. Anyway, the Mac Mini was updated too, wasn't it? It was, but, again, ridiculously priced for what you get. £800 for an i3 processor with 8 gig of RAM and 256 gig hard drive. And you don't even get a keyboard and a mouse. And then you've got to pay for a monitor. And apart from the bigger hard drive, it's almost identical to the 2018 model. Oh, do you know, but I can see a use for a Mac Mini. I'd love to use it as a headless server. Um, it would be perfect for backing up cloud services, file serving, print serving. But the price, as with everything else from Apple lately, is utterly ridiculous. They, that was the entry model one, wasn't it? That was the, if, if you're tempted to dip your toe into the world of Mac. And weren't they 499 even 399 I think. I think for, they for, were a long time ago. Yeah, okay, ago. it was a good few years ago. But it was a stepping stone and it, it served that purpose. And if you already had a Mac, you may not want to buy two iMacs or three iMacs, but you would buy a Mac Mini and have a play with it. So when they just... Now, basically, it's a replacement for those blade things they used to have. And it, some of them are as, I mean, if you spec that up, you, you've quoted price there for an i3, but you can spec it up. But then the price triples. I think our problem with all of this is the price, isn't it? The price is just Definitely. ridiculous. Um, it would actually be more cost effective for me to buy components and build my own PC server. I reached the stage, I mean, I built how many for, for us, for dad, for friends. I must have built 20, 30 PCs in my time. And that was just um, domestic stuff. Obviously, for clients, I'd be building more. But I reached the stage where I just couldn't be bothered with the overhead of managing the setup. I've come to the conclusion just buy more cloud storage space. I'd just say whatever happened to an entry level Mac, because I think it served a purpose. That's called an iMac now. <laughs> Uh, right. OK, then that, that, that'll that be, um, what, three and a half thousand plus a kidney. Mm. One thing yeah. I did bring out, price of which is not ludicrous, is the iPhone SE 2. Not aimed at those of us who'd already bought an iPhone 11, I thought, though, because that was only September last year. True. And for me, as with the iPad, was this the right time to bring out a phone? For feeling icky purposes, no. But carry on. <laughs> oh, thank you. If you're looking for a compact, lightweight, but powerful iPhone at a reasonable price, then this may be the one for you. But a word on the cost. In the US, the cost for a 64 gig model is $399 and the UK cost for the same is £419. And at the current exchange rate, 
$399 is about £321. So we're being overcharged by £100. And at pre-COVID-19 exchange rate, which was probably when Apple set the price, $399 was £306. So an overcharge of 110 Steady on, boy. You've forgotten the VAT. VAT is um, a UK-based tax and it's 20%. So if you divide your £419 uh, by 1.2, then that's actually £349.17. So um, £70 of the price is the government dipping their hands into our collective pocket. Now, I think I've said this on one of the other shows, but VAT was brought in as a tax to support our entry into the EU back in 1973. I'm wondering why we're still paying it after Brexit, but that's a whole different podcast. Um, Again, not for me, but a good move for those looking for a more cost effective model. Just not right now, Apple. The release could have waited, given the global situation. Do we feel icky? Definitely. (laughs) You think that's bad. Wait for it. Wheels. Yes, wheels. How much trouble could Apple get themselves into with a set of wheels? You'd be surprised. Plenty. Oh, plenty. Plenty. Um, Having said that, with the way Apple's going, maybe you wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. But um, the Mac Pro, or BIN 2.0, ships with legs by default. Do you know I actually don't like the design of that? I still think the cheese grater was the height of elegance. But anyway, if you want wheels, you'd have to splash out another £400. This is at the point of purchase. But if you want the custom wheels after the initial purchase, you have to shell out an additional $700. Really? Oh, my word. There are no words apart from W-T-F. Now, you know I always say W-T-A, but I'm with you. Is this Apple's attempt to turn the Mac Pro into a portable device? In the unlikely event that you'd ever need to move the machine, you know what? Get a trolley. It's cheaper. I've got a little stacker trunk thing outside. Yeah, there was there's there's guys at work who take the machines around. Well, they well they do, but you know these days we have laptops. But years ago, they had little trolleys to wheel the desktops around. I'm not a great Doctor Who viewer, but when I was a child. I adored Doctor Who because he had canine and I wanted a dog. Seriously, for $700, I'd wanted the the thing to move itself like canine did. I'd pay $700 for a canine, by the way. Did you ever watch Doctor Who when canine was on? No, all the time. Loved it. He was fabulous. Oh, I wanted one. Had a little plastic one. But, you know, if if you... Bin 2.0 could follow behind you with you saying heel Shep. That would be amazing. But I worked out you could actually get a butler to move it for you and still have change. Do you remember when we priced everything by reference to a tweet bot? Yes. Is it now by reference to an Apple wheel? Yes, new currency. So an iMac would be two or three Apple wheel sets? There's another currency, toilet rolls. <gasps> True. I wonder how many... Well, now, which way round is this? Is it how many toilet rolls is equal to an Apple wheel or how many Apple wheels is equal to a packet of toilet rolls? Could go either way, the way the thing is at the moment. Mm. Do you remember Davros? 
Oh, I do. Terrified the life out of me, Davros. I'd a headmistress that was the spit image of Davros. Had wires sticking out of him, didn't he? Yes. Yeah. I made myself a Davros um, costume. I ripped out the wire spiral bound from notebooks and... They talk about they walk amongst us. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Talking of, of the wire coming out of your head. Did you see the story about potentially magnetically swappable component-based headphones? Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Did you not see that one? Not really. Well, I read it's a piece of potential new tech. I thought it must be silly season, you know, round April the 1st, but apparently not. Um, it's a new concept in over-ear headphones with replaceable magnetic parts. It's a rumour and we don't do rumours, but I thought I'd take the opportunity just to suggest that if Apple are minded to create component-based kit with the ability to change things, how about the ability to upgrade RAM and hard drives and replace batteries in your laptops? Because that would be a much more welcome move, rather than having a pair of headphones that disintegrates as soon as you pass through a security gate. Just an idea. Mm, and given the price of the wheels, we might need to lie down for the price of these. Yes, that, that's true as well. I'm actually perfectly happy. Happiest I have ever been with the most amazing pair of over-ear Bluetooth headphones I got at Christmas. Um, it was a bit of a punt, but they've got the most amazing sound. They are the most comfortable fit. They've even got noise reduction. And I've had a couple of pairs with noise reduction before. Did not float my boat. Uh, but this one does. It included a case. It included a, a range of cables with it. It works via Bluetooth or a cable, which in if you're using the cable, you don't need any power. I pretty much only use these headphones now. They are that good. I previously had a whole range of different headphones for different jobs. So these must be pretty special for me to use alone for every job. They are Teotronics Sound Surge 46. I think they're about £65 now. Um, as I say, I got them reduced um, at Christmas. I think I paid 40 which was an absolute bargain. But even 65 is a complete bargain. They actually sound like headphones you would pay well over £300 for. So um, if Apple want me to pay, you know, well, what would a pair of headphones be? Possibly two wheels? Yeah, I'm thinking headphones would be approximately two Apple wheels. Then you're going to have to be something really special, Apple. Really, really special. I'm sticking with the ones I've got. Isn't it three wheels? Yeah, do you think it would be three wheels? Three wheels on my wagon. Well, not 700, that'd be 350, 170. I think it could be two wheels. Somewhere around the one to two mm. wheel mark, I think. And the third wheel came off. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't, honestly. There's some things, that, you know, like your computer, my iMac. I adore my iMac. You know, beautiful Apple kit. But yeah, some of the stuff they bring out, you just look at and you think, really? No, no. And when I think back a few years, everything they brought out was like, yes, give it to me now. Give it to me now. But no, some stuff. Do you think with with age has come wisdom and maturity? Mm, I'm saying nothing. He's got a look on his face that it's apathy. No, not with tech. It's never apathy with tech. Now, talking of Apple and their annoyances, I've used GoodNotes for a few years. It's fantastic with handwritten notes. Uh, it's also great for annotating PDFs as if they were paper. I know you have other apps that can annotate like PDF Expert, but this feels like paper. Annotation tools are just not as extensive and they're not as flexible as GoodNotes. 
You can also create custom pages for GoodNotes in apps like Affinity Publisher. It's been working well for years. And I'm sensing a but. There's always a but. This time it's an update that threw the proverbial spanner in the works. Version 4 became version 5, and it's been a nightmare ever since. Um, the iOS version 5 was released. You either loved or loathed it. It was a Marmite update, but at that time there was no compatible Mac version, which was an issue if I had stuff on the desktop I wanted to add to the Mac version, and then it would get synchronised back to the iOS version. Then a beta version appeared for macOS. And that provided the compatibility and the syncing that I needed. Everything calmed down for a while. At least as far as anything is calm with a beta version. But then it came crashing down completely. Reached a point where a beta was released and it said in big bold letters, do not install this unless you are on Catalina. It's Catalina only. Catalina. Mm. That's a completely different bag of hurt. No worries, I thought. Um, the last beta that I had was compatible with Mojave. It was working fine. And there was talk that it would all be sorted out in a future update. That was months ago. Now, the last beta version that worked with Mojave that I had been using is generating a server error with the helpful message. Wait for it. Something went wrong. Hmm, really? I can use the app on both iPad and the Mac app, but no sync between them. So I am without a paddle unless I upgrade to Catalina. All for the dev's convenience, not mine, that's for sure. And the chances of that? Slim to non-existent, I can assure you. A spot on. I did briefly consider doing the Catalina thing at Christmas. It was the Catalina Christmas conundrum. But fear not, came to my senses. Do you know that recent update that bought Catalina um, just served to emphasise the wisdom of my prevarication? That was one time, you know, when you prevaricate and then you find out you never needed to do it in the first place. So you saved yourself a ton of time. It was one of those. Now, the reason for this alarmingly early dropping of support for anything other than Catalina is Project Catalyst. That's the framework that allows developers to bring their iPad apps to the Mac without having to rewrite significant portions of the code, as it used to be. Now, the downside of all this, the Mac apps made this way are Catalina only. Now, I'd have no problem installing Catalina if Apple could be trusted not to break more than they fix with each update. Remember the days we updated on the day of release? Oh, those were the days. I actually did an install of, oh, it would be Snow Leopard, uh, on my MacBook Pro in the store on the day of release. I, th I, was, I was racing somebody, wasn't I? And I think I got... Racing I, well, me? You, you didn't have a laptop, so you weren't even trying. But <laughs> there, was, there was an online race, I swear. And we managed to get it early, if you remember, because it was absolutely piddling it down in Liverpool. Should have been a 9.30 start, but we're all outside under one umbrella, all three of us. It wasn't the Tiger launch, trust me. Um, so we got in early and I made the purchase, opened the box, shoved the... Oh, do you remember the days when your laptops had a DVD and everything? Oh, I've actually just bought a DVD set and I want to rip it and I'm thinking, where did I put my DVD? 
Because <laughs> obviously my Mac hasn't got one and I'm looking around the office thinking, where did I put it? When did I have it last? <laughs> got no idea. Oh, but those were the days. I feel at the minute Apple's quality control is just non-existent. So no solution to this one then? No, not with good notes. I sat and I pondered and, and I um, shed a tear and I switched to Notability. Uh, it's got an iOS version, it's got a Mac version and all in sync so far. The bigger question is, is it too soon to ignore everyone still on an older OS? Now, I always think it's wise to support at least one version back, especially so since Catalina seems to be incredibly flaky. I think it should su support two back. I think we should have support for Mojave and we should have support for High Sierra. Is this because you are on High Sierra? I've got a vested interest in that, yes. Yeah, I'm I think you on... need to explain that. I'm still on High Sierra. This was because you were about to do the Mojave thing when the Catalina thing appeared and you ran away screaming. I can explain this as apathy. <laughs> oh, you took the it isn't broken approach. That's the one. But what happened since, Mike? Um, Catalina came out. No. There were certain updates to apps that, that then rudely told you you needed an update. Yeah, but then the developers came to their senses and brought one out that supported High Sierra. Oh, well, you're all right then, aren't you? Uh, I yep. can't get one to support Mojave, much less High Sierra. Shall we talk about something that actually works? Yes. For a change. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Dare I mention browsers to the browser queen? Oh, I do love me a good browser. I have so many browsers. Do you know what I did? I went what away did and did do? an inventory of my browsers. Safari, a Safari technology preview. Chrome, Chrome Canary, Chromium. Firefox, Firefox Developer Nightly. Uh, no, Firefox Developer, Firefox Nightly. OmniWeb, Brave, uh, Microsoft Edge, Opera and Vivaldi. 13. Dare I ask why? Because stuff breaks constantly. How many have you got? Uh, Safari, Chrome, Firefox and Vivaldi. Didn't go well with Vivaldi for you, did it? That in the end. <laughs> that was the app, wasn't it? The white screen of death. That was the app I've just been talking about, yes. That was the app that didn't like High Sierra, but they brought out another one and then it did and then he calmed down. So you've got all four of them then, have you? All four. Oh, well done. Um, I like to dedicate a browser to do a specific job. So if I'm, I've got Notion in Vivaldi, but other things like, um, you know, when you, you're registering your taxes online and stuff. I always use Safari for that on the principle that that is the only browser I would estimate the British government have ever tested it with. So I daren't try anything else, not even Chrome on a Mac. So I always use Safari for that. Um, another reason for having hundreds of browsers is, you know, sometimes you want to listen to something, but you've got something else on. Like at work, you want to listen to a football match, but you've got a web conference on. Yeah. That kind of job. Um, well, I use multiple browsers for parsing audio. It takes other apps like Loopback and Audio Hijack, but it is so powerful and I couldn't live without it. Wouldn't want to live without it, I can assure you. But Vivaldi's for Notion. Um, it is. It's one of the last browsers to the party, but it's got some great features that make it perfect for hosting Notion. I think the first thing that's critical 
um, is that it supports Google extensions, Chrome extensions. Because if I don't have things like one password, I can't use a browser, full stop. So um, the extensions that I install are pretty much the same in every browser. Um, I've got one password. I've got the Notion Clipper, the Evernote Clipper, an ad blocker, Sarka, and one that I noticed was missing very quickly was the ability to copy all the URLs um, in an open window. So say you've got eight tabs open and you want to save all the URLs, maybe to send them somewhere. Uh, there's an extension for that as well. So all of those are actually Google Chrome extensions, but they work in Vivaldi. So stuff like an ad blocker is critical as well, isn't it? Didn't you go looking at the Daily Mail the other day and frighten yourself witless? Yeah, I went to the Daily Mail site and it just said ad blocker. Didn't well, even give me the option to disable the ad blocker. Oh, that's that's interesting. No, I there was a, a thing I needed to see. Trust me, otherwise I wouldn't have been at the Daily Mail. Not on pain of death, would I? Um, but there was something that I needed to see. And it, it, like you say, it was like, you can't see this. And I thought, I'm sure I've been here before. But obviously they've tightened it up now. So they want you to see their ads. So I thought, well, I'll have to open it up in another browser. But because I've standardised my browser extensions so much, the ad blocker's in all of them. So I'm pondering which one doesn't have an ad blocker. And I ended up with OmniWeb, <laughs> blaster of the past. So I loaded in this page into there. <gasps> was horrified. I could, there were that many ads. They were that big. I couldn't find the story. Actually, the story was below the fold. There was a big block of video ads at the top. There was a huge ad that went all the way across. Um, and like the headline of the story was over that, but you still had to scroll down for the story. Once I got to the story, it wasn't actually worth it. Do you know, I can't even remember what it was now. Um, but never again, <laughs> never again. I won't be going back there ever. Um, but just the fact that the browsers work means that you've got a standardization across the browsers, even though they're all different. One of the genius things in Vivaldi is the sidebar. Now, Google doesn't have a sidebar. Um, there's extensions that you can get that kind of fake it, but this is a different level of sidebar. Every browser should have a sidebar as powerful as Vivaldi. By default, it opens up and it has the downloads, the tab management. It has the bin. The bin holds every tab that's been closed in the current session. The power comes from the fact that you can add custom sites to that. So you're not limited to just having the standard admin features that are in a browser open in a sidebar. You can actually open any site you like in the sidebar. Um, all of which can be controlled and configured through shortcuts in the preferences. So if I'm browsing, I've got shortcuts to open the sidebar, which will open it where I was originally. But I've also got shortcuts to open up specific sites in there. So it makes sense to have Notion open in a sidebar or openable in a sidebar. Also Rome, Rome Research. Um, and I've just started adding um, Mapbytes FM and Brooklyn's 196 because we have chat, a chat panel in that. And it fits beautifully into the sidebar, which frees up the space. Um, that is amazing. But it's so configurable that you can have that on the right or the left. So I've moved it across to the right and I use it for notes and things as I'm going. So another one that I have open in there is Google Keep. 
And I don't use Google Keep for anything else. So if I'm making notes in a session, they can just go in there and then I'll sort them out at the end of the day and then it's clean and fresh for tomorrow. They've all gone out of there. They've gone to where they should live, which is just it's so amazingly powerful. It might sound like nothing, but once you've tried it, you wouldn't want to go back. In addition to the sidebar, which lets you have stuff in the sidebar, you can have a split view. That allows you to open a range of tabs together in a dedicated view, which is fantastic for productivity. So a lot of the use for me is to have a video in one tab and then take notes in another. So the video is on one half of the screen and the notes are on the other. Since it's my Notion host, it's a fantastic way to view two Notion pages side by side or even three, four, five. Doesn't matter. You can extend it beyond just the two. And the video can also be viewed as a pop out with transport controls. And if you're in split view, you still get the option to have the sidebar displayed, which in essence gives you a split screen of two and a sidebar with anything that you've got in there, which is just fantastic. The, the update that they've recently bought out, which is version three, there's a clock on the status bar. And I must admit, I thought I'm not really excited about a clock on the status bar, but comes into its own if you've gone full screen. You've got options for the time, the date. You can use it as a timer. You can have it as a countdown. It's got Pomodoro support. It's got custom countdowns. It's amazing. It's one of those features where I thought I would never use that. And maybe because I don't like full screen view, I wouldn't often have a need just to have a clock displayed or just to have a, the date. But the Pomodoro support and custom countdowns, yes very useful. Also down there in, in relation to integrated tools, um, there's the ability to make a screen capture, which again doesn't sound thrilling and other browsers have it to some degree. But this is just so simple, so elegant and it works. You can save entire web pages as PNGs, JPEGs or save it to the clipboard. You can save selections to PNG, JPEG or the clipboard. And just the fact it's so convenient. It, it it's just there. I've actually started using it um, when I'm working and I'm taking screenshots um, for the presentations that I put together, particularly for Friday night. Uh, even though I've got Snagit, uh, it's just it's faster because you're already working in it. There are interface toggles for absolutely everything. So you can turn the sidebar off, the status bar, the tabs. The tabs can be placed anywhere. So if you want your tabs at the bottom, at the side, the left, the right, doesn't matter. Um, in relation to customising it, one of the things that was driving me insane was where the close buttons were. Um, long argued where the close button should be, but the close buttons are on the left hand side, which they are in Safari, aren't they? Yeah. Which is the traditional place for, for the Mac one to be. But Chrome puts them on the right and I'm used to closing them on the right. So I thought, well, do you know what? Uh, it's worth looking to see if I could change that. Uh, when you hover over a tab by default and it's on the left, the close button covers up the icon. I presume that's why Chrome put it at the other end. It's the one thing I couldn't get used to. So I had a look, see if there was an option. There's even an option to change that. You do it with CSS, but it's, it's lovely. You can, you can have it look what, like whatever you want. It is so amazing. Um, 
one thing I was contemplating if I couldn't get these tabs moved, the close button on the tabs, was to use gestures. Now, gestures I first used in opera in 2001. Taking it, you didn't. No, never used gestures. Once you got used to them, you'd have missed them. And I did miss them when I switched to a Mac in 2006. Opera did exist for a Mac, but I went built-in apps only. Oh, those were the days, you know, when you trusted Apple and stuff. But a gesture, you hold down the right mouse button and you make a specific shape with the mouse. So, for instance, you drag down for a new tab, you drag left to navigate backwards, you drag right to navigate forwards. There are loads more. They are all completely configurable and it just makes working with it. You don't have to move your hand. I mean, OK, you can close the tab with a shortcut, but you can also close it with a gesture and then you don't have to move your hand. Everything's configurable. So the shortcuts, um, you can get to pre-configured URLs in the sidebar tabs which I, I talked about, which to me, that's just so, so amazing. Um, everything can be configured. There are literally shortcuts for everything. There are configuration options for everything. There's also an account for syncing, a dedicated Vivaldi account, similar to most other browsers. But it includes enough of the settings to ensure that your Vivaldi acts the same across all the platforms, which is handy because it's got cross-platform support. You've got Mac OS, Windows, Linux, Android. Handy for those times when you're on an OS out of your comfort zone. You mean Windows? Possibly Windows, yes. I find the interface a bit on the tiny side. That's just me. And anyway, it's Windows. <laughs> what would we be like if, if Microsoft bought out the perfect hardware and the perfect software? Don't particularly want to have to think Jumping about that these days, do we? Oh, you would, yes. I'd be in a quandary. Uh, for me, it's all about workflow, um, about being productive. Vivaldi's the best browser for not actually feeling like a browser. It feels more like a command and control centre. And you know what I'm like for command and control, don't you, Mike? I'm saying nothing. No, I'm getting the eye here. The eye. Um, it's just as good if you want to simply view a single web page. That's only ever the start of what I do in a day in a browser. I open one window, one, one window, one tab and think, I'll just look at this. And before I know it, I've got 47 tabs open and I'm like, what, what, what am I doing? Where am I at? Hence, I love Vivaldi. You've got to at least try it. Come on. It's free. You've got to try it. I've tried I it. I even got Mike to install it. I've installed that went it. so well, didn't it? I got it working in the end and I went to bbc.co.uk, so I've tried it. Oh, was that it? That you done now? I was testing it worked. Oh, right. Yeah, the story was he installed it first and it was the version three that had just come out. And um, they clearly hadn't regression tested it, had they? On no. Sierra. And, and it, I think he installed it about 47 times. Still didn't work. So the next day I said, have you got Vivaldi working? And I got snarled at. And then I said, I was just going to mention they've released an update, at which point he was all over it and it's now working. So you see, don't snap and snarl. No. Listen to my, my nuggets of wisdom. Yeah. Thank you. When I was a lad. We're going back now. Mm, when I was a lad, browsers just let you go on the internet. <sighs> You're so naive <laughs> and innocent. Yes. No, you, 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 need to do, you need a browser like mine, Command and Control, Mission, Mission Control Central. That's what you need. Anyway, guess what? what? We've got 
a Mac love bite. Mac love bites. Mm, it's Jonathan. Jonathan says, hi guys, just watching tonight's show, but it reminded me to send you a massive thank you. You may recall a few months back, you did a few after hours on presentation tips, and one of them included showing a full web page scrolling down at a steady pace using a combination of full page capture using Snagit and an animation in Keynote. I used it yesterday and everyone was amazed how I had such a steady hand and could scroll the other way on demand. Really love the shows, or should that be love the shows? Keep them coming, please. Until next time. Johnny I. Mummy's little lad, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. It is always good to hear from you. And lately... It's been daily with Marooned at MacBytes headquarters, which has been awesome. It has indeed. Well, that's it for this episode of MacBytes. I wonder when the next episode of MacBytes will be. You know when the next episode of MacBytes will be. I do. As always, it'll be when you least expect it. Not next week, then. Oh, come on. You know you always need to under-promise and over-deliver. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Please send your questions, comments and queries by email to thecrew at macbytes.co.uk. Use the contact form on the website or send us an audio file. Sign up for the newsletter at macbytes.co.uk. You can catch us on Twitter at twitter.com slash MacBytes and you can follow me personally on Twitter at twitter.com slash Thomas Mike. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Elaine Giles. And you can follow me at twitter.com slash MacBytesiri. So until the next time, this has been Mike and Elaine bringing you MacBytes. Goodbye. Goodbye and see you next time. This is the life. You can say that again. This is the life. I didn't mean literally. Why not? It is the life. Five days of complete peace. Absolutely. No need to keep an eye on them here. I mean, what mischief are they likely to get into on holiday? Well, let's not tempt fate. No, I'm confident they'll be overindulging in the fine food and fun. They'll be leaving the podcast production until they recover. They did bring a lot of kit with them, though. Security blanket. You know what she's like if she hasn't got her toys with her. If you say so. Trust me, we can relax. Hold my robe while I take a little dip. You know you said we didn't need to worry about the crew? Yes. And you know you said we could relax? Yes. And you know you said to trust you? Yes. Well, I thought you should know they just finished a 60-minute live broadcast from their suite. They did what? They just finished a 60-minute live broadcast from their suite. I heard you the first time, woman. I just didn't believe it. You better believe it. I turn my back for five minutes. Hand me my robe. I need to put them straight on solo live gigs. Right now. While you're at it, you might want to mention podcasts too. I thought you said it was a live broadcast. It was. Well then. That was before they recorded another episode of the show. These two are completely unbelievable. There's no controlling them. What he means is, outwitted again.